Socially Good Media presents The Socially Good Podcast. I'm John Gilbert, who along with members of the team from the award-winning social marketing agency Eskimo Soup, will be shining a light on the latest and the greatest in media communications. Hello, we're back with the Socially Good Podcast. I'm John Gilbert and I'm recording another solo show as I share five tips on how to record a sensitive interview. So I'm talking here about something that is emotionally sensitive, a major trauma in somebody's life or a major experience that they want to reflect on. So I don't mean like an informal chat like some podcasts are. I'm talking here about something that really has affected somebody and they want to share that story in order to help other people. So to give this a bit more context, Eskimo Soup developed behavioural change campaigns, social marketing campaigns, and two recent ones that we've worked on. One is a campaign uh, called Check Your Lungs, which is about encouraging people to go to see their GP if they experience any of the signs that may be leading to lung cancer. And we've interviewed survivors from that. We've also interviewed family members of people who've sadly passed away as a result of lung cancer as well. So as you can imagine, that's quite a sensitive topic. And another campaign that we've worked on recently is called Every Mum Matters, and that's about perinatal mental health. And as part of that campaign, we've been interviewing ladies who have experienced ill mental health during pregnancy and within the 12 months after their child is born. Again, this has been something that has been a major part of their lives. And in some cases, they've done an interview with a little baby there as well, so it just reinforces to us how recent this experience has been for them. But like all of these sensitive interviews, it's very inspiring to work with these people because they don't have to do it. They've been through something major. They may have lost somebody. They may have nearly died. They may have been through a major, major mental health issue within their life. So each of these people is going through some kind of mental and physical recovery process. And the fact that they are willing to talk to us, who are strangers to them as well, in the hopes it's going to help somebody else who's going to watch this interview or listen to it and identify with it and go, you know what, it isn't just me or maybe I should take some action or now I understand what's really happening is a very admirable way of doing it. So it's a really positive thing to go through, but it's something that we have to be sensitive about at all times. So here are five tips to help you make this a really valuable and effective part of a campaign whilst upholding your responsibilities as an ethical marketer. So the first tip is to tell your interviewees as much as they want to know in advance. So sometimes it surprises me that when we invite somebody to carry out an interview with us who's been recommended to us mainly by a health professional, certainly in the cases of the two example projects I've just referenced, um, that they just go, yep, when do you want me? That's fine. And they have very few questions to ask. So in that sense, you might find that you've got to tell them a little bit more about it, how your interview is going to be used. Let them know that you're intending to use it on social media, that it may be on a website, that there may be some traditional media interest in, in that as well. Certainly, we've seen this in both the Check Your Lungs and Every Mum Matters. We've created content for social media, but they've also been televised on ITV and BBC regional news as part of the fact that there's a new story that the campaign exists as well so they need to be ready for the level of attention that may be thrust upon them within uh, quite a short period of time as well so sometimes people are quite blasé about it 
Then you've got the other extreme of people who want to know everything. And that's absolutely fine. I think if, if somebody wanted to interview me about a major personal experience that I'd been through, I'd want to know why they were doing it, who their audience was. What different forms of media can I expect it on? How long is it going to be around? Is it going to be online forever? As many of our projects are. So once we have a consent form that people will go through and, and covers all of that, not everybody wants to just read a consent form. They want to have an actual conversation with you. So I've done interviews with people where I've maybe had five phone calls with them in advance. And sometimes you may be going over points that you've you've already discussed, but I never let it annoy me because it's their right to know. And actually, when you're doing that, you're actually laying the foundation for a much better interview because you're building rapport. You're learning stuff about them as well. So when you're doing an in-depth interview with somebody, if they've already told you about the process where they went to the hospital or how it affected their husband or wife or the role of the kids within that, you're much more informed as an interviewer to draw upon that rather than just going into that blind. So that initial conversation that you have before you even meet up in person is really really important part of groundwork to do my second tip it might sound very similar but it's not quite the same thing which is just before you do your interview let them talk as much as they want to now there's another school of thought to this is that you shouldn't do that and generally the reason for that is that somebody might explain something very well off camera and very passionately and as soon as you turn the camera on you just don't get that same level of engagement from them. I've seen that happen, and that means that as an interviewer, you've just got to dig a little bit deeper. And it might mean that you ask the same question from slightly different angles, but you will get to that nugget of information that they told you off camera, as long as you keep keep going at it. I think that that risk involved in that is, is worth it, because your comparison is that you've got somebody who's unprepared and and nervous who is just isn't ready for that kind of interview most people are going to be nervous it's perfectly natural you've got several factors going on here firstly they're going to talk about something that was emotional for them they might be thinking am i going to cry do i want to cry am i comfortable with that how am i going to look and then there's the general inexperience of having a, a camera or a microphone we don't all record videos and podcasts every day well some of us do but not many of us do um, and then we all like the general human insecurities that we have the way we look the way we sound anything about ourselves that, that might annoy, annoy us how our hair's looking today so as much as you can do in advance of that on the day to put somebody at ease and if that means letting them talk for even an hour before turning on a camera is really, really worth it. And I think you've got a responsibility to put people at ease as much as is possible. My third tip is that when you're carrying out a sensitive interview, is listen and respond like a human being would. Usually the interviewer is off camera. That is therefore a, a natural discussion. You don't need to worry so much as the interviewer about how you're acting, what your body language is like in terms of the camera. But we should always do that when we're having a conversation with somebody, giving them eye contact, nodding along when you agree with them. You've got to be careful not to interrupt, as we would do in normal human dialogue, where you have back-channel behaviour, which is, yeah, I know, hmm, you don't want any of that on there. Sometimes I explain that to my interviewee, that I'll be like a nodding dog going along with them, rather than interrupting, because my voice won't end up on the, the final video. And people just get that, it's just about just trying to explain that to them. A lot of the time, you're not working with media professionals, so you might want to explain who the person in the room is operating the camera, where they should be looking, that's a really key point as well. We do a lot of our interviews with the interviewer just off camera, and then the way that we do that then is we've got one or two cameras set up to allow us to do close-ups on the, 
like things like their eyes and their hands and just really just try and let them tell that physical start of their story as well. One editing tip is that when we see somebody sharing a story about a major personal trauma and when they come out of it the other end, you can see in their body language and hear in their tone of voice that the confidence is growing as they go through recovery. And as somebody watching that video, it becomes much more inspirational. So you need to set up the shot in the right way to do that. That isn't going to happen if you're sat there with some notes and you've got 10 questions and you just go through and you're staring down at your paper. You're just going to lose all of those things as well. So you need to listen and respond like a good human being would do in a conversation. My fourth tip is that once you have got your interview in the can, once it's recorded, it's about keeping them informed about what the next steps will be. There's always going to be a bit of time taken to edit something. And you just need to explain that process, that it's not a case of, right, we go now, we stick it on the memory stick, we upload it to the internet, and then we just bang it across to you as for your approval. That is going to take time because you've got the music to put in there. And typically for a four-minute interview that's going out there, we'll be recording between 30 and 40 minutes worth of footage. Not always, but that's as a general guideline for us as well. So it's going to take time to do it. They're going to be eager to see it. They're going to be nervous about how they came across. I've worked with some people who have contacted me afterwards and almost said, can we do it again? Because I didn't like the way that I came across. And to those people, I said, we always have that option, but please let us work with what we've got. See it for yourself. And then, then you can make that judgment. And certainly I can think of one example on Every Mom Matters where one of the ladies we spoke to was really concerned about how she'd come across. But when she did see it, she, she loved it. And that's just natural, particularly if you're not used to this kind of thing. So you've got to keep people informed about what that process will be. Tell them when it's going live. Tell them if you're going to launch it because you owe it to them. They've trusted you and you've got to maintain that trust. And also there's other opportunities for both Check Your Lungs and Every Mum Matters. As I mentioned earlier, they've been released online but then been picked up by the mainstream media. So we've had people who've done interviews with us who've then gone and done live interviews on the radio or have done national news pieces as well. This has all happened this year as a result of it. And really the mainstream media... As much as they're interested in your cause and what you're trying to do, any statistics that you pull out, what makes it a story is having a human interest angle to this. Somebody that's willing to come and do their own unique interview so that they can cover it and make it more of a feature news stories. Working with those people who are subject to a sensitive interview is not a one-off. It doesn't end at the end of that. Having worked on the Check Your Lungs campaign, we've done a lot of follow-up work with the survivor stories on there as well. We've even done photo shoots with people because we've seen how much people have engaged with their video online and then become like a core part of the, the campaign as well. So we've got octogenarians who've never done anything to do with media and marketing in their lives but become literally like the poster boys and girls of of a health campaign. That's exciting to them as well and it's, it's, it's got to be treated in a very positive way. We would never want to, to spoil that trust that we've, we've established there. But if you've got an opportunity and they're up for it, go for it. If anything, if you've got a noble campaign, like all of the Eskimo Soup projects that we work on, effectively we're trying to change people's lives for the better or save lives. So if you've got an opportunity to make your campaign more effective and it does require you to have another ask of somebody, if it's appropriate to do so, you should do it. And my fifth point is when you've launched any kind of video, we also have a podcast about uh, recording survivor stories, and it applies to this one as well. I always say this, is make sure that when you put something out in the world, you're ready for the reaction. So you need to monitor the social media really carefully. You need to protect your interviewee. 
And I would go as far as to say that if you've seen like online trolls or something negative on there, you need to take it down and have a serious think about that. I mean, it would be an awful experience for somebody to pour out their heart on something to do with mental health or surviving cancer to find that there's been a negative reaction to some elements that you have a responsibility as a marketer to continue that PR exercise and make sure that everybody involved in this has their best interests protected. So in summary, around my five top tips for how to record a sensitive interview is firstly, number one, is tell people in advance of the interview as much as they they want to know, even if it's more than they need to know, it helps them and it will help you when it comes to the actual interview. Second tip is if they want to talk through their experience before you switch your camera on, that's absolutely fine. You may feel like you're missing some real golden nuggets and turns of phrases that people use well worth it because it just means that you've got to be on your game as an interviewer to make sure that you can replicate that that level of passion and authenticity in the actual interview. Oh, and a bonus tip, by the way, tip two and a half. Again, with your interviewee's permission, keep the camera rolling. Because once that formal part of the interview is finished, some people, they see them, their shoulders go down, they just start to relax and they carry on talking and they say things in a really, I suppose, much more relaxed and, and natural way as well. You just need to, at that point, go, just so you know, the camera is still running. They'll say, oh, in that case, I want to stop. But in most cases, they'll just keep going. And some of our best footage has been done in an informal discussion after the formal interview has been completed. The third tip is to make sure that as an interviewer, you listen and respond like a human being would if you were having a conversation. If it was one of your closest friends or a family member, don't sit there with notes. Yeah, you've got in the back of your mind, you need to get from A to B to C and so on as well. But this isn't trying to catch Richard Nixon out with some kind of incriminating information about the Watergate scandal. It's just about allowing somebody to tell their story. And any competent interviewer should be able to do that. My fourth tip is to make sure that you keep people informed about the process. How long is it going to take to get an edit together? When will they hear from you again? because they will be really interested in that and you still owe them that duty of care. And linked to that is the fifth tip, is that once it's been produced and it's out in the world, that is not the end of your journey. You've got a responsibility to react to that. And actually, there may be opportunities to do some additional media work once you put that story out there into the world. So thank you for listening. I hope that's been a useful quick whistle-stop tour of some of the tips that we've learned in several years of recording sensitive interviews around health and social issues. I've been John Gilbert, and this has been the Socially Good Podcast.